Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast. As we've been doing ahead of most of the European ties we've had in the six years we've been running this sad charade, we've looked to bring you some local insight into our opponents. Now, some of this insight has been easier to arrange than others. This time round, there were a couple of Scottish-based options, but a little bit like Martin with his fantasy SPFL team, this show chooses to remain free of any fan of either of the Glasgow arse cheeks. Petty? Us? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, this time round, we're indebted to Al Watt, our Tbilisi-based correspondent, for helping putting us in touch with someone with an excellent pedigree to talk about Karabag and Azeri football. Daryl Willard spent five years coaching in Azerbaijan, including spells at one of the larger club sides, Gabla, and eventually time as technical director at the Azerbaijan Football Association. He's a brilliantly knowledgeable listen on the growth of the game in Azerbaijan and indeed the growth of Karabag over the last decade. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. Daryl, I suppose the first thing to say is that um, Azerbaijan, it's a country that a, a lot of our listeners will know because... Um, a lot of our listeners will work in oil and will have been out to Baku, including myself. I've been there a few times. So there's a, there's a foreign influence in the country in terms of a lot of its industries. In terms of foreign influence on its football, I mean, a name quite familiar to Scottish fans was uh, national team manager manager there for a long while. Bertie Votes uh, is a name that will probably cause a few Scots to shudder. Well, I was there from 2010 to 2016, and in the early years... It was sort of like the golden years, and you had uh, you go to to Baku, and yeah, like you said, there's lots of uh, Scottish people, the oil and gas, and lots of British people in general, really. Um, and then there was a, a sort of oil crisis, if you like, in about 2015. Thousands of people got made redundant, uh, and it totally changed uh, the landscape of, of of everything, really, from the football because it was uh, heavily being sponsored by the gas and oil. Industry, but uh, it continued to develop, and as we will obviously continue to speak about Karabakh consistently, they've they've reached uh, the group stages of either the Champions League or the Europa League every year. So uh, you know, a very tough challenge ahead. Yeah, absolutely. It's seven straight years for Karabakh. I, I, I was going to make the point that the breakthrough for the national side hasn't quite come yet. It's struggled. It's not reached a major tournament, but the club sides have had. Decent success in the European stage. Karabag, absolutely. Uh, Neftchi Baku and uh, Gabla have also competed in the Europa League groups in the last decade. It, it is that dominance from Karabag, though, that's allowed them, obviously, to get the advantage of going in as champions and then the, the default knockout to the to the Europa League in a lot of years. How how have they ended up in this in this dominant position? Uh, we'll speak about later about why that dominance might be eroding slightly. But how did they get there, basically? Right, I mean, you know, the teams, like you said, um, consistently being qu- uh, qualified for the, the group stages, and, that, and that's, regrettably, that's because they can play more foreign players uh, in the uh, European competitions than they can in their own Premier League. For example, I think in the Premier League, you can only have three non-Azerbaijanis in the starting eleven. Obviously, when you get to Europa League uh, competitions or European League, uh, competitions, you can play as many as you want, I think. So uh, that, that's that been a massive effect. Karabakh in itself, the one thing they've got is a, uh, they've got a, a DNA, which probably every other club doesn't have. Uh, they've got a, a, a head coach who's 
been consistently there, I don't know, 12, 13 years at least as head coach. Um, he's got a clear identity, a clear way of playing, clear philosophy, uh, and their recruitment is very good. Um, and they can, you know, they can they can pay a lot of money as well. I'm not sure what the, the the wages are like now, but when I was there, sort of five six years ago, the wages were very very high. You know, and from that, obviously, you can attract some very good players. If you had to pinpoint one man that was responsible, I, I dare say the the influence of the sponsorships and um, the money that's being invested into the club. Gerben Gerbenoff is is clearly. Mr. Carabag in a lot of respects. He's been there since 2008, I think. And it is, as you say, they have a style of play. They have a determined way in which they're going to do things. And every club has a Barcelona of its country, but Carabag have been described as the Barcelona of Azerbaijan just because of that adherence to that tiki-taka style. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they've been very consistent, like you say. So obviously their academy as well try to develop players to suit the system for the first team as well all trying to produce technical players who can play get the ball down and, and move the ball quickly like we said it's consistency is the key you know if they don't chop and change uh, it's a Turkish sponsor the main sponsor and uh, and they support Gerben Gerbenoff as, as much as they need being one of the larger clubs having that influx of money both from sponsorship and, and from UEFA prize money the ability to build that club up at all levels. I mean, you'll see a lot of examples of clubs that, that get that money and it all goes out the door on, on players' wages, maybe expensive foreign imports. Carabag, and it's possibly due to the fact, as you mentioned, they have the foreign player restrictions, but Carabag don't seem to really have gone down that route to a huge extent. Of course, there was a smattering of Spanish guys, Portuguese guys, Brazilians, obviously, as um, they seem to be omnipresent in the Asia. Azeri League right now, but the focus has seemed to be on bringing through local talent. Ultimately, he likes to have a, a good core of players because of the way he is and the way they develop footballers and their recruitment as well. They tend to have the majority of the Azerbaijan national team as well. Mm-hmm. So there's that consistency from day in, day out of these players consistently training together, whether it's national team or the first team. And, yeah, like we said, they're, they're very good at, at blooding youngsters. And it, it's been the key. And they do spend a lot of money on the on the wages for, for the foreign boys uh, and the national team boys. They've had a good balance over the years. What about that um, that spend and infrastructure, which, you know, I'm, I'm sure has partly come from the club themselves, but, but perhaps the government have obviously, in terms of facilities, they've seen football as a way to exert a bit of soft power. You've had the Europa League final played in Baku recently. You've obviously had the Euro 2020 games. What about the the actual fundamentals of the infrastructure in Azerbaijan, such as training pitches, such as coaching standards? Is that something that's being invested in in the last 10 to 15 years? The, the, the infrastructures in the stadiums have definitely changed uh, and improved over the time uh, since 2010. Uh, they had to, it started off with the the women's World Cup, I think under 17s in like 2013, something like that. And uh, from that, they got obviously a lot of funding from uh, FIFA and UEFA to build stadiums. Um, and they started springing up everywhere. Um, and like you said, the, the more publicity and the more events that they've they've been able to hold, 
you know the facilities do get a lot better. Uh, Karabakh play at the uh, the national stadium, um, and uh, they've that's become their home. Uh, Infrastructure-wise, training pitches are still short, but I think you ask anyone from England or Scotland, I think you'd all say the same thing. We haven't got enough training pitches, mm-hmm. so I think that's a, that's a worldwide problem. Yeah, the coaching started; it did it did start to improve. Um, I, I would question it now. It, it did start to improve a lot, and I think uh, they've really got to try hard to keep that level really of, uh, of developing good young coaches. Yeah, that's that's fundamental to how you improve things, isn't it? I mean, that, you you look at the success stories maybe in Europe lately, and Iceland's one that stands out. Yeah, they've got the infrastructure in terms of the pitches, but it's the investment in coaches that seems to have really made a difference there. The other thing, and again, this is, isn't a football-related thing, but you lived out there, I've been out there, many of the people who listen to this show will have been out there. The heat is going to play a part on Thursday night, isn't it? It's, it's uh, going to be uncomfortable for a bunch of lads used to northeast Scotland. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a real concern, actually. I think, like you said, anyone who's been out there will know it it's, could be 35 degrees at 10, uh, at 10 o'clock at night. Um, it could be like that. And... Uh, and um, the, it's, it's hard to breathe, you know, out there. Um, so, you know, I would certainly advise them to go a couple of days earlier to try to get any kind of acclimatisation, really. Because uh, I tell you what, it is a shock if they get there late on the day after, uh, the day before the game. Um, it's going to be a hell of a shock for them. So I hope they give themselves enough preparation time. And that presumably must also feed into you know how the how the game tends to be played over there. I think this season we've adopted the sort of omnipresent high press that you see elsewhere. I'm, I'm guessing in countries with that heat, it makes that very very difficult to pull off. Well, it does, but I think uh, Azerbaijan's a bit different because actually it's, the summer's hot, but uh, you know it can be blooming cold in the uh, autumn and winter as well. Um, I've been out there and it's uh, four foot of snow mm-hmm. in the uh, start of December. Um, and that's the, that sort of bad weather's continued all the way through to April, May. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's... Yeah, I mean, look, Karabakh are a possession team. If I was the Aberdeen head coach, I'd be very careful about going for a high press in Baku. Yeah. Um, I, I would uh, want to keep a clean sheet and get home as quick as possible. Um, <laughs> that, that, that would be the best thing. It doesn't matter how you do it. You know, I, I, for, for me, I, I think they would run out of steam very quickly and with Karabakh's possession football, they will soon wear the players out. Yeah. Uh, cause, I mean, there's no point talking about the distances or anything because that's going to be the same for both sides over the two legs. It's. I can guarantee our lads won't be uh, needing to take two flight changes to get uh, to, to get to back to Baku which uh, which is what you or I might need to do from Aberdeen listen I, I I just wanted to again put in a bit of context about the fact that they have been winning the league repeatedly seven years straight I think but last year they lost it in the last day of the season now I'll see in Scotland we've got pretty good evidence of what ha- if a side has been winning the league for nine years straight and then blows it something's gone badly wrong is that the case here, or is it a case of just investment into Nefti Baku who ended up winning the league? Yeah, I think that's it, to be honest. I think they got a, uh, a very intelligent, good head coach 
we had a clear way, uh, clear identity of, of what he wanted to do and the players that he wanted. In these sort of, in these sort of leagues, that's what it takes sometimes. Is a um, a different direction, bit of organisation, good recruitment, um, and you can sort of overturn the odds there. Um, you know, so I don't think it's. Uh, I'd be surprised if it happens. If you know, Nefty become the, the the dominant team. You know, because Carabac have been doing it so long. But uh, it's nice to see that. Uh, you know, it's not just a one team doing it every year. <laughs> we look at that consistency of qualifying from Carabag, and we see they've pulled off some good results in Europe. Uh, you know, last year they, in the one-off qualifiers, they went to Legia Water, I think it was, and won three nil, which is a it's a very impressive result. And that consistency of qualifying, that experience of actually getting through these rounds, is something which we don't have. But also, there's a level, isn't there? I mean, they've lost the teams such as Linfield, Sheriff. Beat Borisov, Slovan Liberich. There is a ceiling for this side in terms of their quality. For me, the the, the way you hurt uh, a Karabakh team is is through set pieces, actually. Um, and I think that's the way for Aberdeen. I think where where maybe Karabakh and I watch the Azerbaijan national team as well, where they struggle is is really with the ball up in the air in the box. Um, and, and I think that is a, a real possibility. You know, if they really work on their set pieces, corners, free kicks, etc., they could get a lot of joy. Um, and I think that's what teams have done in the past. But you're right. They've, they, the thing with Karabakh is they've got some experienced players in there, Azeri players, and uh, they've been there and done it. And I remember a few years ago, I think they drew, I think they drew with Inter Milan in, in uh, the San Siro. So. You know, these these are very experienced players. They know how to 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 win matches. And the hardest thing I think is if they're in a position in the second leg uh, and they're winning by a goal or two, the uh, they will be very frustrating to play <laughs> against. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. So they've got that game management thing down to a team. Correct, yeah, absolutely. Darrell, that's fantastic. Thanks very much. No problem. Thank you very much. There we are then. Keep a clean sheet and get out of there as soon as possible. Sounds very easy, doesn't it? Certainly none of us will be complaining should that be the case. Let's hope for a positive outcome on Thursday and come on you Reds.